Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Demon and Division? I got some poison on the brain and I'm not scared, I'm not ashamed no more of anything. A podcast about Alkaline Trio? Demon and Division? Um, I say it that way because I hate that name so much. When you saw the track listing, when you, David, my Uh friend, co-host of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, when you saw the name Demon and Division when this track list was revealed... Where did your expectations for Is This Thing Curse go? Well, Tim Chris, my co-host of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, I'll tell you, because I believe I sent you a screenshot of that and was like, holy fuck, that's going to be the worst song on the record. <laughs> and the track titles to this album did not instill confidence. Well, Pale Blue Ribbon didn't make you think, all right, we're playing with fire. Sweet Vampire? Oh, there's that one too. Yeah. Um, Was not giving me good feelings because I think we should address our Chicago bias up top. That one thing I've not really appreciated is how much Matt sings about Chicago after moving away from Chicago. Like 15 years ago. I mean, he had moved away before Good Morning. That record was written when he lived in California. First song on that record, singing about Lake Michigan. Mercy Me, Chicago. It just, well, it's back to Chicago. Sure. Um, but it's like, all right. That one's more not forgivable. Even, not even back to San Francisco. We're going all the way back to Chicago. Which is like fine. I always hated going to see them live and they're playing a song. And then for no reason, he just screams Chicago. And it's like, okay, man, stop it. Um, And that intersection has changed a lot since he moved away. So much. It's changed a lot in the 10 years that I've lived a 10 minute walk from there. Yeah. Uh, It's changed a lot since I started going there. My, My friend Scott was managing coffee shop on division Mm -hmm. right nearby it's changed so much since then at this point it's like fraternity row on a friday night it's division street on a friday night is not something i've gone down in over 10 years um and right now it's that that street corner is unrecognizable uh aside from the rainbow club which kind of maintains the big uh artistic significance of what Damon and Division Used has be. been, yeah, for for Chicago for years and years and years. I think the the first you know big figurehead who is very prominent in the Rainbow Club is Nelson Algren. Mm-hmm. He bought he brought uh, Simone de Beauvais there for a visit back mm-hmm. in the. I think I said that right. I think you did. It's, uh, it's close th- enough. Uh, at this point, it's 
best to say that she was not only married to Sartre, but smarter than Sartre. Um, and in situations where I was trying to impress people, I have said that. I'm sure you have. Uh, but it also became such a hotbed of culture in the 90s. Uh, Tim Kinsella's bartender there forever. Uh, lived above it for a long time. I mean, so much of, of Chicago's fucking punk and and alternative rock of scenes. T- we you go back to Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liz Fair's exit in Guyville has a picture in it that people think was taken at the Rainbow yeah. Club. There's, it's in High Fidelity. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a staple for a lot of reasons. It's still not a bad place to hang out. No, I um, like going there a lot. Uh, so that is what it is. So seeing this, I was just like, oh, man, this is going to be this like really like romanticized version of a thing that is dead. And thankfully, the song is not that. No, this song kicks ass. It's great. Um, I was so nervous the first time I listened to this record. Got through the first track, and I was like, all right liked it had heard blackbird knew i enjoyed it came up to this one i was like what three in a row what is happening yo i think that was it's such smart sequencing and it's also i think to me it feels very meta in a sense where they're like hey were you surprised that you like those first two yeah well check out this one and this track does so many things right and it does so many of the things that they'd spent the last 10 years doing wrong yeah right this song we just took a big dump on throwing lots of layers on top of something when you're not when you have no idea what you want to do yes this is a song that has so many layers and they're so well executed yeah they're great i mean this record, I do really like the production on. It's very clean, but it doesn't sound mechanical in any way. And I think the warmth on the bass tone that opens the song is great. I think the acoustic guitar that closes is great. I think Matt and Dan's vocal performances are great. There's a lot to like here. And hearing that bass tone for the first time in that bass intro, I was like, I haven't heard them do something like that in a minute. Uh, and it was very inviting and... It goes in a more accessible direction. I think it's very obvious that if you listen to the chorus, it's kind of just, hey, jealousy. Uh, that bass... Oh, my God, it is. Yeah. The bass intro is basically just an avail song, which I'm fine with. Uh, <laughs> I saw a bunch of people over on the Alkaline Trio subreddit a few weeks ago thinking that avail ripped this song off, which was unendingly confounding to me uh we ripped off this song that was released two months ago three months ago we really rushed it out the door um somehow we got it pressed too it's amazing i'm I'm always baffled by people who don't know how to use a google search but all of that notwithstanding this really put to bed a lot of my fears that I was going to have about this record. Um, But I also think it's maybe the best song on the record and maybe the best song they've written in a good many years. It for me just caps such a great one, two and three. 
Yeah. In so many ways, too. You had, is this thing cursed? The track acting as like a prologue to the record. Mm -hmm. And then Blackbird just kicks it so fast. It's so wild. And this one comes in. It drops things down a little bit, and then mm. it picks it back up. Just yeah. the pacing of everything is just so amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, I think this speaks to a little bit of maybe what the problem was with a song like Ruin It or maybe some of the Agony and Irony stuff is having way too much time. You have so much time that you write more lyrics and you rework this part and you add these things, and now the song's not at all what the song was when you wrote it. And they put this record together so quickly of basically writing and recording it in a month's time, like you can't really second guess it. And I could see some fans saying like, Oh, it's rushed or whatever. But like, that's when this band always excelled is when they were just in a room writing songs together and then putting them out. And a song like this is the perfect example of like when they are in a room together, they can write great songs that weren't really present on like a, my shame is true or this addiction. Cause they were living across the country, sending demos back and forth and then just getting in a studio and banging it out. You know, there's a lot more character to a song like this. And and it allows for those layers to work because it feels almost like an intuitive sense as opposed to an add-on. Yeah, I mean, you think, you listen to the way certain instrumentals on this go, parts in between a chorus and a verse, and they're just so subtle. And it's like, okay... What we're doing here is basically playing the verse chords. When we play it live, how can we just do that but not just do that? Not, okay, what can we do to fix the fact that we don't have a transition here? Sure. It's just, all right, here's a key tone that just does what you're doing, but it's just very nice. It's not like a big, like, synthy thing that sounds like it's from 1983. It's just a nice tone that goes across from one part to the other. That key tone is really, really good on this song. I really like it, and I think it works well. And this almost shows to me, like, when I was saying they could have been a big alt-rock band. Like, this is the type of shit that I think they could have pulled off. It's because this is a mid-tempo to slower kind of pop song. It's got a big chorus. Big chorus that they land real well. And... The verses are really, really hummable. You can sing along with those, too. I, I mean, the bridge is maybe the best part of the whole thing to me. Yo, because Dan just comes in and drops a fucking verse. It's nuts. I it's love it so nuts. much. He comes in with so much attack. It's so... It's almost like what Matt is saying in the verse, but like the inverse of that. There's so much attack just on the front half of it. And it's like what he's saying in that part and... I, the lyrics are inelegant, you know, but at least in the chorus, but like, I do like this kind of like wistfulness of this song lyrically of like them kind of acknowledging that their relationship to Chicago is kind of far removed, but they are tied to it. You know, I think that's an interesting approach to that type of subject matter. And that's what I pull from it a little more is because Matt's singing about that intersection 25 years ago you know he's not trying to make it seem like it's still what it is today yeah um and i think that's an uh a really smart choice 
on his part and their part for what they kind of came out with in the end. It's just so funny, like looking at the lyrics and, you know, it's got the Matt and Dan flavor to it where it's all a little cheesy, but when everything around it is working, it just feels so okay. Yeah. You know, you don't have to sit and think about, well, that's a stupid thing. Yeah. that you're saying. I feel like he's dialed it back in a sense where he's not trying to be poetic here. He's no. not trying to make huge profound statements. He's using his goofy ass vernacular, but it's just a song about being young and dumb and this is where you were. Yeah, and I appreciate the alarm clock imagery as much as the next person. Yes. But like it, it's it's heavy-handed, but it's not. Like, that's a wink to the people who know that and get that, you know? And I I like that it's, you know, him setting the alarm and sleeping through it. Like, it's, it's a fun way for him to be able to acknowledge the distance he feels when he's back here now. That he's not bicycle messaging, he's staying in a hotel and playing a rock and roll show. Yeah. You know? And God bless him for it. Absolutely. And I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting a bit, but... The last couple of records to me feel like they were done almost in spite of what people wanted. I would agree. I What I've said about My Shame is True for a while is that I don't love it. I think it's, it's easy to shit on some of it because some of it feels lazy, but I think they were just trying to write a Ramones record, basically. Um, and I think they achieved that, but I don't know if I need more than five or six songs of that, you know, but I got 12 and this record just feels like one that pressure is not there. And I think, especially because like, you know, agony and irony being a follow up to crimson and then this addiction being the back to basics thing. And then like, them just trying to figure out everything's a response to the record before this doesn't feel like that. This just feels like, Hey, let's make a record. I would love to be in that conversation where that idea comes out and is agreed upon. Mm -hmm. Because you look at the past 10 years and you think, what was holding you back from just doing it this way? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's, if I may psychoanalyze from this chair, which is the point of this podcast, I think it was a lot of doubt. You know, they had a major label record that didn't hit and then they were promptly dropped and then you know put out a return to roots record that people didn't seem that huge on and then it's like well do we just do another record that people maybe don't like you know it it just felt very wishy-washy there wasn't a lot of commitment on those records to me because it was all yeah, do people like it? Do they want this? Is this the right move? It felt really wishy-washy and I think when My Shame is True came out you know, I wasn't. I didn't have my finger on the pulse in quite the way that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't seem like it was that there was much behind it at all. It no. was just a record, a new and record. I, it had a press. It actually had a nice press campaign in Chicago where you yeah. just saw those posters all over the place. Yeah, totally. That was cool, but it didn't feel like there was anything getting the 
punk community excited about it? Yeah, I don't think people particularly were. And again, I don't think that's like the worst record they've made, but like I never really want to put it on. The songs that are good are fine. Um, well, think about think about the bands that have found a way to the Bouncing Souls. I think are a great example where they put out a new record every three years. Nobody anticipates that it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. They just kind of figure that there's going to be three good songs on it, and the rest will be okay. And maybe there's a goofy song here and there, but Alkaline Trio never really like found that rhythm, rhythm the way that other bands have yeah and my hope is that this is the a swing and an upward trajectory you know it just feels like they're having so much fun now yes that it has to be and like they can kind of do it where it's less of a grind you know when this addiction and my shame is true were coming out and damnesia kind of in the midst of that there's a lot of touring they were on the road a lot and now they really aren't you know they kind of broke up the tour around this record can i can i jump in yeah. Blink-182 is the best thing that ever happened to this band. Totally. I mean... Not the... Uh, ev- yes. Yeah, but in the, in the present the, day. In the, in the present day, that's happened to this band. I agree. Matt Skiba probably walks away from making California and is like, yo, f- I want to be in a, in a room with you two and a producer for a week, and <laughs> that's it. Well, and also just like I want to write song, like the the story of California being that they had written a record, and then the producer made them throw it away and write a record with them. Like, I'm sure he just wanted to be able to write a record, and yeah. kind of let it be, you know. Um, and I think his songs on this are better than they've been in a long time. Uh, he seems more invested and what he's singing and how he's singing it. And I do think there's a little bit of like California was a big success. Right. And I think it, it, it gave him positive pressure in terms Despite of Despite your bad review. It was a yeah, success. You don't go to number one on billboard, uh, no matter what I think critic says. Um, but like he, this isn't his breadwinner right now. And I think, with him not needing that, I think it gave them all kind of that room to be like, clear heads, what do we want to do here? And not in a commercial like return to form kind of way or big rock record kind of way or whatever he, they thought they saw as the right move in punk rock at the time of doing My Shame is True with Bill Stevenson or something who was producing a lot of records at that point. I think they got to make a record in a more genuine sense than they had been able to in, you know, over 10 years. And I think it shows, I think it shows in a song like this where I get it stuck in my head. I want to listen to it. And I like, I'm not embarrassed by much of this album. There's moments I would cut a few songs, but I would keep the, the meat of it there. And I think these first three are, is one of the best runs they've written since, in recent memory. I feel like the way that I've presented this record, it's so different from the way that I present other things that are made by people who I just listen to and I'm always going to listen to their new things where I'm like, oh, you should hear the new Bob Mould record. Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, This one, I'm like, you do listen to it. Yeah. Just, it's awesome 
Yeah, I it's mean, got some stuff on there that you don't really care about, but it's fucking good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little too long. Yeah, I think if this is a ten or eleven track record, you've got a pretty like tight record. Um, I respect the fact that they went for it and and had enough stuff that they could stand behind to to make it this. Um, but like, even the people who I think would be the most doubtful of this being good have given it a positive reaction. And I think that's really telling. You know, I don't know how people who maybe came in in the past 10 years feel um, because I'm sure people did. That's inevitable. I feel like the the excitement that so many of us get from it is that, oh, damn, it sounds like they're having a lot of fun. And it hasn't sounded like they've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. And I think that you get a certain enjoyment out of having your collective experience be a part of that too. Totally. The Alkaline Trio, uh, with the exception of them playing their records live for an audience for the past 10 years, it hasn't been as much fun as it was back then. Totally. I mean, I've seen them for (laughs) nearly two decades at this point. I've seen some great shows and I've seen some bad shows. And I've seen some shows where it didn't seem like they were that excited. And most of those shows were in the recent years, but not in the past year. You know, They're, they've seemed a lot more energized and enthused about doing this again. And that's really cool to see and really heartening. And it makes it feel like I have a reason to go back, you know, and, and do that again. And it's just nice to get to a place where I'm like, you know what? You gave me one. And I don't forgive <laughs> what came before, but the fact that you were able to come out and, and find out what you wanted to do here, um, it, it makes me look, I'm less harsh about their modern material. I'm not as quick to throw barbs about, about it. Cause for a while you can't tell if a band's ever going to get out of that. Yeah. And you know, the fact that they did, it's, it shines a light onto what, could happen the yeah. idea of an of another alkaline trio record now is so much more enticing than it seemed two years ago yeah and when we I think started that, this podcast right i think that the effect that it will probably have on their legacy is pretty significant too yeah. the idea that they don't just fade away that there's one maybe two records that come later that are awesome and i think uh but we've talked a lot about it like i think getting away from it helped because i'm sure in 2015 when matt ski was joining blink 182 he's probably got songs written for alkaline trio i can't imagine any of those made that to this record blink 182 is totally like the 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 hot girl that you've always had a crush on and in that they want to fuck a dog in the ass yes exactly um, when you write this song, I give this four out of five. I give this four and a half out of five. I wavered there. Yeah. For that reason. It's, it's really good. It's really good. And I think that there's, I guess just a lot of good energy that comes into it. And like I said at the beginning, the one, two, three is just so solid that yeah. by the time I get to the end of this, I think I have a continued amount of enthusiasm that comes from the feelings I have t- towards the first 
too that it's yeah like, yo damn no totally and when the next couple songs which i'm not as big on come in they don't feel as minor because they aren't following three songs that are just kind of okay you're still just like all right all right here we go keep it going roll this boys. is great this is a great feeling i'm glad i'm glad to be here you guys but um hey i'm always glad to be here you and me both ah and you, you know talking about talking about coming back to alkaline trio just reminded me of the way you and i came together on this podcast let's do something fun let's just do something where we don't have to think too much we can just bullshit mm-hmm. talk about things maybe shit on a couple things but let's just talk about a thing that we like that we don't have to stress ourselves out over and that's what this is and it's always been good and honestly it's better than i could have ever imagined it being for a myriad of reasons and i would say tim i think it only gets better yet <sighs> You know, I'm so happy that you're back doing no plus ones and would encourage anybody out there to go ahead and check out what David has been doing with our friend. I'm going to say our friend, even though he's the only person who I've uh, canceled on for a better yet interview, Dan Ozzy. Doing great stuff over there. No plus ones. We're doing something. Yeah. All right. Something. Something is something. Um and yeah, you should you should you should check out Better Yet. I think we're on a good run right now. Mm-hmm. I'm recording this in advance, but I, I know it's coming, baby, and it is good. It is very good. You should definitely subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and tell a friend about it. We are on Patreon. Oh my God, we buried the lead. Should we go back and say that this was chosen by our Patreon? pledgers you know i think people will uh will get it and want to take part so they too can vote on what song we talk about in three weeks four weeks something like that three weeks three we'll, weeks. we'll be putting another poll up there for a different batch of songs saying what do you want us to talk about you get the vote and guess what our patreon pleasures have been able to listen to this episode for a long time mm-hmm. and you're just hearing it now so I'd go over there and throw us a few bucks, help us support the show. Uh, I need to buy dog food, so could use that. And it's a very uh, cute dog, but and we got and we got some other things to offer in exchange for that. So head on over there, tell a friend. We will be back next week with another installment of As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. His name is David. My name is Tim. We're out of time. Talk soon. Thanks, Bubbas. Mm-hmm.